Got it. Recording in progress. Wow, that was compliant. Zoom. Good job. All right. Well, welcome to uh, the show, which is yet to be named. We're going to maybe figure that out today. I don't know. So we're uh, we're here. The 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 one and only um, and best podcast about the College of Santa Fe. May she rest in peace. Uh, you don't know what that is. You're you're not alone. There are many people out there who've never heard of this college that if you were to go look it up right now, you can't find it because it doesn't exist anymore. I never graduated from this place. So uh, I basically cannot get a diploma from anywhere because all of my records have been shuttered. So this is just but but one of many, many problems. Is that holding you back in life? Sorry, no. I know it's your, your show and stuff, but... It's our show. This is our show. It's not. It's, it's, not held, it's not held me back at all. It's led to a lot of um, confusion and, and disappointment in my parents, but that was inevitable. So like, it's, <laughs> we're fine. Um, yeah, but I, I've not, I have not had to, you know, apply to medical school or, you know, try to work for the government or anything like that. So I'm good. And, you know, I guess if nothing else, I could just print up a, a document and say that it's a, a, a diploma. I mean, what, what's, who's going to check that? I'll send you a picture of mine and you could Photoshop it. Perfect. So Ryan McNeely with similar glasses looks kind of like me, right? You do get Can yeah. a little bit. We could look like related or whatever. I see it. We had, he had an Oklahoma counterfeit license that I think he made from <laughs> Charles Parker's driver's license. <laughs> and he ended up passing it on to me because I looked enough like him and it fucking worked everywhere. Like I went to every Barbie show, every Paramount show. And like, to the point where like, I was like, what's up Tate going in the door and shit like that. Like it, I don't know. It was amazing. And it, I was like, just from Charlie Parker's driver's license. I can remember his OKC address. If, if you ask me where I live to validate <laughs> the license still. So was this then um, based on his, on, on Ryan's, uh, looking like Charles to begin with, or did you? No, it was a photo. No, he fabricated it. Am I, am I, am I blowing up something that a, a successful film industry professional did as it's like a federal crime, <laughs> right? That I just outed him for. And I, we have, we have a lot of viewership, don't we? Fuck. <laughs> yes, we have. Uh, yeah. We, Sorry, we Ryan. Guarantee a couple of, uh, basically anybody whose name is mentioned is going to sue us. So yeah, those are, those are the people listening right now. Uh, Sorry about that sidebar, but I was impersonating (laughs) Ryan, impersonating Charles Parker with a counterfeit federal document. That's all I can say about that. So this is this is exactly, and thank you, thank you to uh, to Tim uh, for for uh, for jumping in with that uh, anecdote. This is exactly the kind of you know hijinks and silliness that we used to get up to in college because uh, you know I'm, I'm here with my friends Tim. And Jesse, who I went to college with, Jesse was actually my RA. In uh, oh gosh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were on that floor. I was, I was. That was a fun floor. That was, yeah. Uh, that, there was a lot of incense being burned. There. Sh- <laughs> what are you? What are you implying, Jesse? I had to just about once a night. I never wanted to get anybody in trouble, and I was only an RA for the money. <laughs> I always not for the love to- of the game. They would always say, do, we do not want you to be an RA if you don't w- really want to do this to help people. If you don't everybody there, Come on. Everyone there was like, no one wants yes, to do that. Exactly. I'm here for it. And everyone was only there for the money. 
So I would yell down the hall every night. I smell stuff that I don't want to be smelling in five minutes. And the smell would go away. <laughs> and then I wouldn't have to knock on doors. Do you recall, I have a, I, I just vaguely recalled this today where one of somebody on that floor and I um, got a bunch of milk crates together and then like blocked your door in with a stack of milk crates. That and then, sounds familiar. And then in, I feel like. Except you didn't know like, like what, how it came about. So. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you, yeah. Well, it's clearly not. That it, sounds it, familiar. And now I know now, well, now fuck you. But, like, that's, <laughs> but that's not the, well, I hope there's no bad blood, but. No, I don't. But uh, no, the funny part is not that, you know, juvenile prank, but what but mystified us the next day was that um, after uh, classes had started, I think after lunch, we came back and the, the milk crates were still there. And somebody, had, <laughs> I, and I forget, I don't think I talked to you about it, but somebody talked to you and told me, I think, that you were so impressed by it that you just wanted to keep it there for a day or two. And you yeah. had been moving it in and out of your door as you were going in and out to go to class and whatnot, which really, <laughs> was so gingerly, like. really shook me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this part, this prank isn't that great, but I'm glad that I'm glad that Jesse's getting some mileage out of it at least. Yeah. Well, I love a good thought out, fairly harmless prank. It was, th- it was fairly harmless. I wouldn't say it was. Th- yeah. It wasn't like a flaming bag of human feces or something on someone's yeah. doorstep. That's like, that's not nice. Yeah. That was before my time. Not sanitary. Like, I, I think there was plenty of that going on uh, before I got there. And perhaps we'll get into some of that a bit later. The bigger issue I had was there was a lot of like political graffiti, which they had originally let people paint on the walls in King Hall. And then eventually the new principal was like, none of this. No, principal, Jesse, come on. Somebody was (laughs) putting all this like left wing political stuff on the walls. And I was like, I was punk rock, but I wasn't as far left as I am now yet. And I was uneducated. Um, so I was writing. We, we all was, were at the College of Santa Fe. We were all uneducated. That's true. I was taking paper and pasting it up next to the graffiti with counter arguments. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they did not like that. And then eventually I found out it was Andy Sell and Martin who were doing it. <laughs> and they we're surprised that it was me who had been answering and we were just like, okay guys, look, the boss is cracking down on me. And if I don't get this to stop, I'm going to be in trouble. Can you please stop? And they stopped. Well, so we've started to set a little bit of the, um, a little bit of the tone, I think for, uh, for the show and, and sort of give everybody a little taste of what the college of Santa Fe was like, what life was like there by talking about a bunch, bunch of people you've never heard. You'll probably get to get to know, uh, some of these folks quite a bit better as we go through their uh, our sort of free form uh, memories of, of the College of Santa Fe and the, and the weirdness that we uh, in, in, that we have participated in there. I am uh, desperately trying to find the uh, the Wikipedia page for uh, the College of Santa Fe so that I can give everyone a, a history lesson. Um, I don't know if you guys are, are you guys familiar with the history of the College of Santa Fe because there's some interesting stuff. No, but I've used Wikipedia, and I think all you have to do is if you just type in the words in the little search box, it's going to come <laughs> probably yeah. up top. That's my uh, understanding too. But what right. I have what I have just found out is that it is impossible for me to talk on a podcast and type at the same time. Oh yeah, I can't I'm, multitask. I'm just learning this now. So. Okay, so you you stop talking and I'll start. 
It all began with St. Michael's School for Boys about 200 years ago. Can, Not actually can you go into the full, sorry, the full, like, well, we're here at, like, the whole, the whole, like. You want my Hugh Hauser voice? <laughs> thank you. Yeah, let's do it in that. Sorry okay. to, I'm not trying to like. I could do it. Steer the ship, but I really enjoy that. That brings me a lot of joy. And I learn about like LA motorcycle journey destinations. Okay. Well, we're here, gang, <laughs> and we're learning about College of Santa Fe. This is a college which used to exist in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Now, the history of this school is it used to be called St. Michael's, and it was a Catholic college, and before that, St. Michael's was a high school. Now, it was the only high school in Santa Fe for some time, and it was for boys. Now, eventually, they added a public school, Santa Fe High School, and St. Michael's <laughs> became one of two schools and then it became a college, and then they renamed the college, and then they reinstated the high school. So by the time we were there in school, there was College of Santa Fe, Santa Fe High School, and Santa Fe St. Michael's High School all together, and each one allowed both boys and girls. That's that was pretty good, remarkably accurate. Uh, Jesse, obviously, well, not obvious to anybody except uh, except Tim and me. Uh, born and raised, certainly raised in Santa Fe. Is that right? Born here, born there his whole life. No, <laughs> <laughs> born here my whole life. No. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I was not born there, but I grew up oh, there. Where were you born? I was born in Licking County Hospital in Newark. Ohio. I imagine that, that Santa Fe was a, probably a more, more magical and interesting place to grow up than Newark, Ohio. I've never been to, uh, to Newark. I, I don't know uh, if I would call Santa Fe magical in the 80s. You wouldn't think, you don't think so? Is it's it cause, fake it magical <laughs> because of the gangs, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, pretend shit in Santa Fe that tourists love, and when you when they come to visit, they can um, feel magic, but it's all a facade and it's fake. And when you grow up around it, you get real tired of the fake cowboy shit. Yeah, you're talking about the sort of the, the turquoise uh, economy there. And Well, uh, I mean, there is native jewelry being sold, and that is like real deal stuff. But even those people are like selling it to tourists because that's – one of the few ways to make money. Yeah. They're not, it's not like mystical. No, it's not, it's, enchan not enchanting, Jesse. <laughs> no. Although we used to call it the land of entrapment because so many people would go there and stay forever. Indeed. Indeed. And we'll have some of those on this, uh, on this podcast. I mean, you take, <laughs> take the collective human element out of it, out of it. And it's one of the most, the most beautiful places like but there's a lot to be jaded about like distribution of wealth is like as fucked up if not more than most other locations i've lived at least and like it has super a, in your face the history the manifest destiny making a whole people basically live in prison or war camps it all is fucked yeah. and as a um 
as a destination for um for rich folks to have second third homes or what have you it is you know that that is something that obviously contributes to extremely high cost of living and not much well literally no industrial base or, or you know no real um you know, no real economic opportunities for people, uh, for working class folks, as you said, uh, you know, there's not much else to do, but sell fucking jewelry. I mean, it's an over oversimplification, but I mean, so much of the, um, you can also sell cocaine <laughs> and, um, I mean, you can kind of sell weed, but nobody really makes money doing that. I feel, or maybe there's some, but I think, I think the other line at work there is, is distribution and sales of, of cocaine. Yep. Specifically in Santa Fe, uh, all all the way up I twenty five, the whole length of the state, pretty much, mm-hmm. seems to be a major economy item. It used to be heroin in the nineties. It was a lot of heroin. It's probably that's probably. I bet that's a lot what it is now. I that's just like ever present everywhere now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a big, uh, like Chimayo is a small town uh, where yeah. they have this little sanctuary where a miracle happens, supposedly. And But it used to have a, a big drug trafficking go through there in the 90s. Breaking Bad made it seem like it was all about meth, but I, I don't know if I've ever heard it being about meth outside of that show, but I've heard a lot about heroin. CSF art department folk did the build out of the mobile meth lab. Oh, no kidding. For, for that, for season one. Uh, there, I want to, uh, this is sort of the important part about the college of Santa Fe uh, that I want to, I want to read through here in the Wikipedia. So uh, in the February, in February of 2009, the college of Santa Fe declared a state of financial emergency. Attempts to merge with Highland university faltered due to funding concerns and the school nearly closed. In September 2009, a public partnership that included the city of Santa Fe, the New Mexico governor's office, and Laureate Education, a for-profit corporation, purchased the campus, reopening the school as the College of Santa Fe under different leadership. The name changed to Santa Fe University of Art and Design. Boo. Safuad. Yeah, yeah. Not the, uh, not the most elegant acronym. On August 30th, uh, 2010, after the school decided to narrow its focus on art and design, there was no longer an affiliation with the Salian Brothers or the alumni of College of Santa Fe. Us, the alumni. The Salian Brothers, we did not talk about. This is a Christian Brothers school. Christian Brothers are a, uh, a Catholic order of monks. And um, there's plenty of interesting lore there. On May 18th of 2016, the school announced that it would be acquired by Raffles Education a Singapore-based private company. Wow. I yeah. Um, I just, like. Raffles. It sounds like a, uh, a casino, like brand, like a like a chain of yeah. casinos, and they're from Singapore. I just like I love I love the idea of like you know uh, you, you get called into the principal's office or whatever before he can decide what you know what he's going to do with you. He has to say, "Oh, I got to call Singapore." Got to get on the line. Singapore. I, I yeah. Betsy, get Singapore on the line. This kid's been. Oh, they don't want us to call until the repeating. time until the till it's day over there. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come in at three fifty in the morning. <laughs> like I have no idea where I can this make that adjustment, but something weird like that. This is going to have to wait until Monday or Sunday afternoon for for us. 
So the deal fell through, sadly, leaving ownership of the school with Laureate Education. Citing ongoing financial challenges, the university closed after the 2017-2018 school year. And that is the end of the College of Santa Fe. But it's just the beginning of our story. of a group that seemed to span roughly like 96 to 2005 if you like have a lot of overlapping peers i was there 99 to 03 and it seemed like during that time there was just uh a no a never-ending like supply of interesting people and weird situations happening there was never a boring moment it really wasn't. Um, do, do you think that that's a just a sort of um, confirmation bias, or do you think that do you think that we're really the stars sort of aligned, and there was this, there's this legendary cast of characters, or that the school was just kind of always a magnet for you know weirdo, artsy, you know whatever uh, kids, and you know you put us all together and, and shake us up uh, with, with plenty of booze and drugs, and it's you know it's always going to be fun. It wasn't always fun, dude. It's not always fun. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess yeah. <laughs> but 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 mostly, yeah. For yeah, absolutely. Um man. Yeah, I I'm just I'm going through some said. of the cast of characters and and it was just like a it did feel like and I don't, and this could just be like San, the the little Grobin Valley that Santa Fe sits in and some weird shit we can't even wrap our heads around maybe drawing a high concentration of innovative weird creative thinkers to one place to see if they can save the world and i it looks like we failed because i think the earth is consuming us finally but um but yeah just like the people that were there it seemed almost like 850 or so students and everyone is somehow entirely extraordinary and like i don't know it just seemed like it was drawing some crazy mix of eccentric brilliance i thought when i looked around at everybody i would be curious to see if it was similar at other small art schools from the late 90s to mid 2000s because i have a a feeling that it also has to do with how the world was changing at that time and to be to be a teenager who didn't grow up with internet but it started to come around right like as you were getting out of high school and then to have like a whole generation of people who were force-fed to like stay in school study hard your life's gonna be okay but also we're gonna defund all the vocational stuff and i feel like there was like a a lot of kids who were like they worked hard and they were interested in intellectual things, but they didn't cut it to go to some academic um, direction. And they had this, you know, 
aptitude for making shit. And there wasn't like a, a clear direction for them to go. There wasn't a lot of welding classes and shop classes in all the schools anymore. It wasn't as much funding for art. So I have a feeling that College of Santa Fe upped their recruiting and decided maybe we need to focus a little more on the arts. And they just managed to, to net all these weirdo kids who were like directionless. So that's, a, that's an interesting point. So what we haven't really, what we haven't really established is that, or perhaps it's obvious, um, but, but uh, to the perceptive, but uh, that, that the College of Santa Fe was primarily an art school. Like, you know, I, I was there to study film, um, Tim, um, fine art, right? I enrolled as a creative writing major because I always figured I would just end up drawing and painting because it's like what I never didn't do from as long as I can remember. So I ended up enrolling in writing because I'd been messing with it for much of high school and enjoying it and then realized I didn't have enough passion or motivation for it like in a creative writing candidate program for the one college I applied to when the original plan was just like, ride a skateboard until your legs don't let you and then figure out life after that kind of at that age. So it, I transferred into art like at some point in my first year when I realized like, I don't read. Why am I going to write stuff? <laughs> I got like such crippling ADHD. Like I don't like complete books if it's not done in one sitting. So who am I to write them? <laughs> yeah, it takes longer to write them. I can only imagine. (laughs) Did you like the program though? No, it was fucked, man. That place was, it was run super weird. I mean, aspects I liked about it were like, and that's not trashing Jerry Snyder because I actually think he's like one of the more brilliant and influential human beings I've ever come to know in life. But I think there were limitations to like budget and there was no no consideration for like any commercial art avenues that people can cultivate like a sustainable career doing. It's not like you could have learned illustration there or graphic design until it was Safuad, which is like what's so fucked because like I think I ended up wearing a chef coat because like I couldn't like teach myself enough like illustration software to like a professional extent to like just stick with a thing you know so i think it was lacking in like realistic it was great if you want to learn how to make showable work it's like ready for gallery museum walls because i left there able to do that and like have done it some and that feels good but like i don't know it would have been nice to not have to moonlight with other shit and then take jobs in a completely other industry over the years and just only do art. <laughs> so do you think that that was, uh, was that some sort of like inbuilt snobbery where they were just above uh, doing this sort of, you know, anything for the filthy lucre or was it just kind of a, was it a weird blind spot for another reason? I don't really know why. I mean, I used to, I probably should have sought those answers, but I was not like very, a very practical person at that point in life. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this thing here because I got myself here and I just don't go through like application processes for much of anything at all with like 
success in completing it. <laughs> so I, it's not like oh, I'll like transfer to like SVA and get like, you know, like people who are active art, like industry art directors as department heads and stuff like that. Cause I mostly drew and it was probably like, best suited for like apparel and music and stuff like that and has proved to be like decent for that but yeah I would have I would have said that but I actually kind of like that I ended up being like oh I'm just gonna make a bunch of sculptures because I don't know when I'll have access to that palette of alabaster and all this stuff and Rick Fisher to chat with about it while I learn. 3d stuff so it, it made me do that which i appreciate and it was magic i love it i'm not trying to trash it i feel like that came out all weird all right good talk, <laughs> good talk. yeah i mean that wasn't like it wasn't the best commercial for uh the for the program but i mean that's that you know luckily you know who cares at this point but like that, uh you know it's an interesting i never thought about it till just now but it's funny that like a lot of the people that we went to school with were kind of like people who didn't know what they wanted to be or who they wanted to be. And they were trying on masks and faces and the school was, it had a a very strong mask, but I I think the school also didn't know what it wanted to be. It was trying to mash together the intellectual history with the arts and they didn't know how to make it, um, like you said, commercially viable. It's like, unless you were going to be a theorist or a teacher, you know, they weren't teaching all the the real life skills you needed. Certainly I was also in the film school and it was, it seemed like you didn't learn how to, to do the practical stuff until your third year. The first year was all theory and like we were learning about color and, and like artistic uh, arrangement but we weren't touching the camera for a while. I think there's levels of complexity to like anything photographic or moving image that just like where I feel like laying that foundation or with, 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 with anything visual, at least from my experience, that's like all relevant, but I don't really know. Like there's no right way, but I, it would have been nice to have like more offerings that, would have made freelance work like less me like blindly approaching curators and like directors of education at like art museums with like weird stoned ideas I had that I want to make in their space. Like, cause that's like not a super sustainable business model. Yeah. Um, versus like illustration work, <laughs> like as like a practical backbone or something. I don't know. I think one of the, I think maybe one of the most illustrative uh, like anecdotes that I have to speak to this is like, I, it, it's not mine. It's um, I think Mercedes told me that uh, after, um, after I think she was wrapping up her, her senior year or whatever um, and had gotten hired to do commercials or something, something like that. And she went to, she had a conversation with Gene Youngblood who have, who, you know, many people may know was a, uh, a legendary uh, film, you call him a theorist. I mean, he was a, a commentator, a, a, a author, um, and beloved, beloved teacher who taught uh, a, a critical, I'm sorry, what was it? Critical, 
He had a class called Media and Democracy. Media and Democracy. Thank you. Which was uh, focused on uh, having a critical eye on the media and how they operate and who they work for and how to uh, judge what you see. Wow. I wish I, like, knew that course description. (laughs) That's amazing. It's such a beautiful class. It was a phenomenal class. I mean, I mean, it really, it really did. Um, I think you know, hip a lot of us who considered to be, you know, we were smart, you know, media savvy kids to really sort of understand even, even, uh, you know, further, you know, what, you know, uh, who whose messages we're receiving and how. Um, and it really kind of it peels back, peeled back the curtain in a way that, you know, it still affects me. I mean, it's it's certainly yeah. shaped shaped, you know, I think so much of my the way I view the world. Um, and it, it, it has that, it had that effect. And, you know, certainly, you know, one of the under, uh, under, under undergirding currents was, you know, the, you know, Oh, you know, basically the fuck the, uh, fuck the, the mainstream media. And so Mercedes on her way out the door said, Hey, Gene, I'm really sorry, but I have to go work on a commercial. And he's just like, yeah, I know, just go do it. Like <laughs> you got to make a buck. Like I, I, ha- yeah, I, te- yeah. I teach the class and like you do your life, you know? And it's like, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what so many, you know, so many of us have had to do, <laughs> you know, indeed that is the business. However, even uh, for like my, some of my like polit- political science core credits, cause it wasn't not an art school when I got there and left, I took global politics. I forget the dude's name, but he, it was just like, if you weren't already like a crass punk walking in the door, man, you best learn fast because otherwise it's just going to be too hard left. Like, but it was right. Like in my like socialist kind of happy place. So it, it, it was a great experience learning more about like water as like kind of what we're dealing with more now on earth. And like, yeah, like yeah, one of our texts was like water wars, like, but it was like, this was packaged to build revolutionaries, not to, give you an understanding of like the systems of like global political structure necessarily (laughs) and i remember there were people that had like some serious cognitive dissonance in the room and i was like hey you better find your way out because this guy's not fucking around (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i uh i took a class with robin bank call or not robin bank robin bank was his son uh professor dr bank um uh, uh, Marxism and anarchism. So I actually, you know, it was, he actually taught a course on the history of and and uh, and you know ideology of anarchism, the various strains, and how it relates to how it relates to Marx. And I mean, that was that was a mind that was just a, a mind opening experience in class. You know, it was just having been exposed to that in a uh, in a, in an academic in an academic mm-hmm. setting and approached seriously. Um, and, um, you know, certainly that maybe that class, maybe more than anything has, has, has probably influenced my, my politics and, and things, uh, you know, moving forward the way I look at the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, that, that was, um, yeah, it was a, it was a conservative parents nightmare. Sometimes I, I think about the classes that I took and even the classes that I missed like that, where I wouldn't have been ready for it then. Like I had, I had come up just a good schoolboy, always a nice kid. Had gone to church until I went to college, and I, even though I was in a punk rock, I don't think I was ready for the lefty stuff that I that I love now. 
I wonder how I would have thought about that. I remember taking a, a religion class with Brother Mouton and being surprised about how um, liberal he was and progressive. Like he was, he was immediately talking about mistranslation of the Bible and, and all these things that people take literally are wrong. And it, it was really cool, actually. I was, cause I was, even though I was a church kid, I was like bummed to have to take religion at college. <laughs> I was like, for, this is the first time I've slept in on Sundays I'm, and I'm ready to give it up, basically. I didn't say that to myself till later, but I was. Mm-hmm. But then to have to go to a religion class at college, I was bummed out. But he made it really interesting. And, and so, similarly to Youngblood, it was like, oh, yeah, don't trust the man. The, uh, yeah, Brother Mouton was, was one of the Christian brothers who taught there. Um, there were like four or five of the Christian brothers living on campus, something like that. Yeah. And uh, I think that they're... You know, as far as sects of or, or orders of monks go in the Catholic Church, I believe that they're known for their liberalism and you know their tolerance, and and you know they do have at least one other school in the United States. It's a sim- I think it's a. Do you, do you know what that one is called? I, I always forget it. It's in like Maryland or someplace, and it's. You I've know, never heard about it. It's a similar similar vibe, as I understand it, and it's you know perhaps not as cool and fun as when we went uh, to the College of Santa Fe, but. Uh, I guess that's the kind of, you know, open sort of academic culture that they nurture, which, you know, hey. I think so. I think that, but I also think that like Jesuit missionaries and Lasallian, the Lasallian tradition was like, was, was Catholic missionary work, like trying to indoctrinate indigenous cultures with Christian kind of scare tactics. And then like, more or less, like just not more or less, like, socially enslaved them systematically like but that was a different world i don't pretend i don't pretend to fucking understand what looking through like a colonial or imperial lens is like like it's i can't even put myself there but i think that's the roots of it but they left that piece of time as like some of the best regarded educators in like the academic world basically Yes. I, I certainly would not want to whitewash all of that or any of that. <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's an extremely, I mean, it's an extremely good point. I, th- I think you see very clearly how, how a- empire works, how you, you, you have the, uh, you talk about the, uh, the Jesuits and the, and the uh, Christian brothers presumably being out in the West to convert the, the native population. Um, and as empire rolls past them and, and we sort of integrate them into the United States, all that fight, all that uh, integration and assimilation, all that work has been done, what's left for them to do but to teach. And we don't have to worry about the atrocities that they may have committed in the past or whatever that, you know, that cult colonializing um, force was that they used to have to wield because now all they are, are, you know, harmless uh, old men puttering around teaching, you know, teaching us. So, uh, I mean, it is, you do raise up like a really interesting question of, you know, the, of the, the actual, you know, history and the actual sort of uh, relationship to the land that the school has. Yeah. Well, I'm actually interested in that kind of stuff because I've studied a lot of the Santa Fe history and the the Catholic Church versus the native cultures there goes back to, you know, day one of the Spanish coming over. And it's been a long and sordid history. And I'm actually wondering 
what was the status of that relationship when St. Michael's High School first started? Because I know that they also have St. Catherine's was the Indian school there um, that's now abandoned. Um, this is where Emily would probably have more to say because I think she works out of that old building now. Hmm. But it was like the kids' school before the Native people got their own school. There's now what's called the Santa Fe Indian School that they run. And um, that's been a big part of the middle of Santa Fe for many, many decades. But before that, it was it was like one of those colonial schools where they were taking kids away from their families at St. Catherine's. Similar to the, um, the residential schools in Canada where they've unearthed um, uh, bodies mm. of, of First Nations? Yes, very similar. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was thousands of unmarked graves in Santa Fe all over the place for various reasons. Um, so, um, just got a text. Oh, oh, my Lord, you guys, I fell asleep. <laughs> Emily Donut. Yeah, I just recently saw her post something that she has an office in that St. Catherine's building now. And I've always wanted to go in there back when it was abandoned and scary and closed. But now apparently they're renting it out. Hi. Hello. Hello. Guys, in true CSF fashion, I <laughs> totally slept through class. Asleep. Yeah. I was like, I think it's going to happen um, at like six or seven. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm here with my um, pug puppy, so you may hear some snorting happen here and there. Also, oh my god, I'm gonna put myself on video so you can see how napped out I look. Look at that. You look like you napped hard, Emily. I napped hard. <laughs> Wait, how much I see all of you? Oh my god! It's like you like woke up with a liberty spike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like alfalfa. Awesome. Alfalfa, or um, you know when Martin Short did that one character. Ooh, Ooh really. don't you know? Don't you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Emily's joining us from Santa. Oh wait, no, I just I went into the church lady. Sorry, that's the wrong character. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't that special? Yeah, Emily, we were just discussing okay. a little bit about St. Catherine's School, and do you work there now? I did. I Well, actually, I worked for um, the Santa Fe Recovery Center, and my office was in King Hall, and it was so awesome. But I work for a different recovery center now, which is strange because I'm a drunk. But you don't work at St. Kate's building? Why did I think that? I don't know. Okay, never mind. Forget I said it, anybody. It might still be horribly abandoned. <sighs> I can check on not, it. Not my, not my friend's office. Don't go in there. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, can you check on it? Like, can you look out your window and just check on it from where you are? Yeah, hold on. Let me see. <laughs> oh, good. Wow. Yep, still abandoned. Nice. Can you actually see CSF from your house? Stop. No. I'm try <laughs> I want to get to a place where I can talk to you in peace, but my puppy is <laughs> following me everywhere. We started saying we were going to introduce ourselves, but we still haven't really even done that. We haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So now, now would potentially be a great time for that. Yeah. 
welcome, welcome, Emily. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, my name's Emily. I went to the College of Santa Fe from 1999 to 2003, and I actually went to um, college before that in Indianapolis. So I was I was on the five year plan, just not at CSF. I studied art therapy. They actually at that time had a psychology department, social social um, sciences. So that was pretty fun. The end. My name is Jesse Gee. I also went from 99 to 2003. Actually, Emily and her parents were the first people I met on our orientation tour. And she was pretty far out. Oh, yeah. Tell them about the shirt. She had a shirt that looked like she had pinned a, like a half of a tablecloth on the front of herself. And her back was completely out in the wind. And I think she had like short bleached hair. I was like, wow, people that are this interesting and weird actually wanted to come to Santa Fe for school. Shouldn't she be in New York or something? uh, (laughs) um, Anyway, I studied uh, moving image arts, which was basically a film school with a little extra. And um, I live in Los Angeles now, though I grew up in Santa Fe, as you may have heard earlier. My name's Tim. I went to the College of Santa Fe from 2000 until 2004. Um, my brother joked that I majored in cocaine. Not entirely untrue, as as I did abruptly leave there to to, to get to get it together. But I got I, I left there with a studio art, like kind of a general fine art degree, and uh, I draw stuff and. I have a couple of kids and I cook also. That's my life. That's all I got. I'm Matt. Um, I went to CSF from 2001 to 2005. Um, I also came as a, in as a transfer from Florida State University, uh, where I'm from. I grew up mostly in Orlando, Florida, and where I reside again now after spending some time in, in uh, New York. Uh, and uh, I started a company up there, um, which was fun. And now I, uh, you know, I'm down here. I moved down here to pursue music a little bit more, and that's kind of what I'm what I'm up to here. And now I'm talking to my friends on what's supposed to be a podcast. We'll see. Woo-hoo. Yeah, uh, Emily, we had we had gone over the uh, the history of College of Santa Fe directly from both uh, Monk Marvelous's mind and yes. from the uh, the Wikipedia page about uh, about. College of Santa Fe, which I which I, which I read almost in its entirety, uh, which is going to make Macklemore on it. He is not. <laughs> yeah, he's just a, he's just got a red link. Actually, as it turns out, he has no Wikipedia page himself. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to make one for him. We're trying. I'm starting some beef with Macklemore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to get him to tweet about us. So, hey Macklemore, what's up? I don't remember you. <laughs> when are you getting your Wikipedia page, dude? <laughs> oh, God. I think there so, was two Bens on my RA floor, and I feel like you might have been one of them, but I have no recollection of it. I like your song, that one song. <laughs> 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 
Man, that's uh, a good, my kids love it. My kids written, love it. Written about the uh, the Salvation Army on Cerritos Road. <laughs> that's <go>. right. The <laughs> yeah. famed Cerritos Road thrift shop. Yeah, that was a good one. I got Which, these two bowling ball lamps. Well, we can't see them anymore. They're over there. They're with you. I got them at that thrift store. There was I'm sure a, I've got some shit in here from there. Yeah, I had two. I had two cast porcelain cocks, roosters. That is <laughs> um, <laughs> that I got. I got at that thrift store. And then when I was moving out of the Southside place that I lived at with Buttercup and Chris Chavez, we mm. we were garage selling them, and someone asked for them, and I did what the fat guy in Ghost World did, and I was like, ah, those aren't for sale. And I only just got rid of them like last year, but. Sorry to hear that. It was, but they uh, had a good good run. Oh yeah, they're, they're, what I think their downfall was. I mean, I think some of us. No, were I mean there the, for that. I mean the porcelain oh. cocks. Oh, the porcelain <laughs> cocks. Well, I want to. I want to. I want to talk about the downfall of the Cerritos Road Salvation Army. And I think there was one other like. Uh, there was one by the skate park, Camino Carlos Rey. Yeah, that was a good That's one. That's the one. Yeah. Good one. There, there was a boutique shop that moved into like the Second Street Brewery area. And they they came in and they bought up all the cool shit and then resold it at like boutique prices. And yeah, we had just, we had been sitting around the college of Santa Fe being like, we can't, where is all this stuff? But uh, it got, it got gentrified. The whole whole thrift store scene in, uh, in Santa Fe. It was a shame. Was it that place Twisters that opened? Yes. Twisters. Twisters. Uh, so what else is new? Well, what maybe, else? maybe you can uh, maybe you can tell us. I mean, we were kind of uh, just waxing poetical about uh, what CSF kind of what our experience was. What it what, what in a more <laughs> metaphysical sense? What is the College of Santa Fe beyond just the brick and mortar and barracks? Well, it is um, difficult to put into words, but it. It felt like a summer camp for misfits who were really smart, but probably didn't get very good grades and therefore couldn't attend um, RISD or uh, NYU or the like. Um, I'm speaking for myself. I, <laughs> I failed like everything in high school. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I'm really smart. Uh, I mean, <laughs> so, but it, it, and like Jesse said, I felt like, well, I was from Indiana. And the only reason I looked cool is because I worked for um, a hairdresser and he was really cool and he set me up. And then I bought that shirt, the apron exposing my bare back from Urban Outfitters. So you can't lose. You always look cool with some weird hair and something from Urban Outfitters. But, um, uh-huh. yeah, I, that's, it's the first place I ever really hung out with people from, uh, like all different parts of the country and big cities and got exposed to a lot of really interesting people. And I miss it. I, I because I had bad grades, I went to this school that was called the university of Indianapolis And it was like kind of a big school and all the kids there were like sporty and whatever, but it did have a really good art program. Um, However, here's something you got to know. The reason I studied psychology 
at the College of Santa Fe or art therapy in particular is because I came from a pretty nutso family and I actually got into the College of Santa Fe that first year, but my mom told me I didn't. What? So that I wouldn't go away. <laughs> oh, no. And the way I found out was I was so concerned that um, I wouldn't get in the, the second year that I called. And the woman was like, you got in last year. You're fine. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my, Jesus. How, so how did, you, how did your mother claim to know this in a way that you couldn't? obviously verify well okay because i was 18 i never did shit about dick so i just believed her i just believed that like something came in and she also is a boundary crosser so it would make absolute sense that she answered mail at the time um yeah she said that she and here's what else they did real quick they purchased um regalia from the University of Indianapolis, bumper stickers, license plates, etc., put it on my car to surprise me when I got home one day. Oh my god! <laughs> you got into a college. Oh. Well, I wonder what so, the timeline between that and when you would have gotten accepted by College of Santa Fe should you have been known let let know about it. Like alternate universe Emily, who got there a year early. Oh I my also, god. I also wonder if the bumper stickers weren't also like a plot or just a way to get you committed to the University of Indianapolis. Like, oh, it's gonna be so hard to take these off. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> they're already on the car. Honestly, exactly. It's so true. But no, I'm uh, glad I had twisted. that sort of lost year because I was like extra ready to reinvent myself when I got there. The culture that I, I at the school I went to before, it was a big school. And I got voted most unusual person. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, they're casting. They used to cast ballots for that at the University of Indianapolis. They yes, because it was most unusual. I think it was actually. I'm not sure if it was like our dorm or like the whole thing. But yeah, they had like it was like high school shit. Was that a sought after superlative, or was that sort of like a? I didn't. I. I didn't want the moniker. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I I remember one time also going to karaoke and, and, and these like frat boys heckling me because I looked weird. Um, So it was just like a, and I didn't look very weird at all. I mean, I looked way less weird than I do right now. (laughs) No, I don't know. But it was a welcome change. I mean, it was my, I found my tribe, found my people at the College of Santa Fe. And here I am back, back here now after 10 years in LA. It's not fun anymore, guys. It's not as fun. But I did find a new boyfriend who's really cute. His Jesse Key's bro- little brother's friend. Yeah. Actually, that's why I napped so hard just now. His older brother went to CSF. He was in the film department briefly. His and I heard Chris that Ray. his, um, I'm not sure which one, but one of his brothers was in that thing where it was like a, a high school thing where you could go to, you could go to the photography program. 
And he, uh, he, a girl in his class made him a mixtape that had um, some songs that I was playing. And uh, like I was playing some pavement, some neutral milk hotel the other night. And he was like, there was some girl at College of Santa Fe who made, who my brother really liked. And she made him this awesome mixtape. And I was like, um, I bet that's Mercedes Singleton. And, and um, come, come to uh, find out it was. Oh, and she wow. said that she and he had a little bit of a tryst and she dubbed <laughs> him Young Buck. And so now I'm going to call Mikey Younger Buck. <laughs> Younger Buck. It's great. It's a real lovely situation. Is, you're going to? Does he know this yet? Or you're going to spring yep. this on him? Okay. He yeah. knows. But do you know it's the best part? And then I'll stop talking about him. He's really, he's really weird like me, really brilliant. And he's fucking obsessed with the remains of the day, which is about butlers. And he is like literally my butler right now. And it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And this is, wow. this is like a new passion of his is, is butlering. Yes. That's yeah. He, he wanted to, he thought it'd be, he's, he's fucking hilarious. And he uh-huh. and a friend had like have a music thing where they want to be like butlers who are playing music <laughs> and telling jokes you guys gotta check him out. His thing. It his, sounds. It sounds friend. perfect. Actually, this oh, is very dude. Powerful. He's got. He's, he's born and raised here, but his Instagram's uh, at legit concerns. Okay, I'm actually writing that down. Yeah, write it down. He cray cray. Yeah, he did all all the artwork for most of my brother's band's albums. Yep. Kid Crash. Oh, Kid Crash. I oh like the whole time. Crash. Okay. Yeah, 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 dude. Everyone loves Kid Crash. They got really big within small scenes all over the world. They kind of had like a global <laughs> following, where there'd be five people obsessed with them in all these towns in Europe. But it's very so it's like small and huge at the same time. Yeah, right. And an, an aggregate. It's uh, yeah. it was a, a lot of bands that were influenced by them that got kind of bigger than them. Mm-hmm. And there was some little kid somewhere in. Europe or whatever was like, you guys pretty much invented fourth wave screamo. <laughs> My brother was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what that is. But okay, glad you like it. Sub sub subsect of, yeah. of, of like a trivial amalgam title anyway. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. South Belgian uh, screamo. It's yeah. fundamental. <laughs> Very specific. Yeah. yeah. Wallace <laughs> speaking uh, hardcore. They basically, I think almost 10 years ago, I don't know how much I should dish about this, but I don't really care. <laughs> they sort of like all moved to different cities and they were trying to produce like a, a final album and they did a Kickstarter to buy a new computer to record the album. And they they apparently whoever was in charge of the kickstarter used the money for other shit and never they never finished the album oh my god it's like 90 percent done but the one guy who can actually finish it has his own business now he makes camps and i think he's too busy and the guy that was running the kickstarter is like i don't know what he's up to he's off he's off the map and then the other guy 
is like I haven't heard where he's at at all. And then my brother is like he was in this other like hardcore band for a while, and then now he moved back to Santa Fe. He hasn't really had time to do music for a while. So basically, what they need to do is finish the album, do all their Kickstarter rewards, get back on good graces with their fans, and then call it done. (laughs) 